Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we continue in our Advent series entitled Insta Christmas, as our family life pastor, the Reverend Jamie Kendrew, preaches from the Gospel of Luke on the passage commonly known as Zechariah's Song. Just a quick reminder that we are having a ton of fun on our social media channels this Christmas season and invite you to join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to see all that we have going on. Now, here is Pastor Jamie with this week's message. Thank you for listening. It's uncomfortable when we think we know what's supposed to happen, and it doesn't, right? We know the routine. The pastor's supposed to be in the pulpit when that video's done, right? But what if I told you there was a group of people for a long time who were expecting to hear a message, but for 400 years, they sat silently waiting. Nobody in the pulpit. Not nobody, more particularly God. You see, between the time of Malachi and our epic story of today, for 400 years, God sat silent not speaking to his people. And that little bit of pause that we just had there, I know made the tech people uncomfortable. (laughs) I think it made all of you uncomfortable because we know what's supposed to happen. Why isn't it happening? But you know, God has a plan. God has a reason or purpose for everything that he does. And I know I say this a lot, but I'm going to say it again. You get to be a part of it, but maybe it's not just about you, right? And so this morning, we come to this incredible moment. It's the beginning of the earthly gospel message. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open them now and turn to the book of Luke, because we're really not as much doing a sermon as we really are just looking at a passage of scripture and and just saying what it says. But I want to give us a background of where we find ourselves, and I've already started by letting you feel that uncomfortableness of quiet and 400 years of silence that the people of Israel are living in. You know, some of us have a lot going on in our lives, and we've cried out to God, and we've asked for answers. We've asked for Him to reveal His plan and His will to us, and for some of us, we've heard Him answer loud and clear. But for some of us, we sit and we wait, wondering why, God, you haven't answered my prayer yet. It's not 400 years yet. Just be reminded of that. Know this. God loves you. You're a part of his story. And he has something amazing for you. So God, we love you. Give us your words this morning. And Father, I pray that you would speak through your prophet. Speak through your your covenant. Speak through your words. Speak through your servant, John. Speak through your servant, Zechariah, this morning. Because there is just so much in this first chapter of the book of Luke that is just being encompassed. And so, Lord, as we turn to this Benedictus to learn from what you have to say, we pray that you would give us ears to hear what you want us to hear. Because I know that there's many lessons that can be taken from this portion of Scripture. So speak to our hearts as you need us to hear, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, as I said before, we're... We're in this series and we've been talking about what does it look like if, our, if everything just happens in an instance. And what does it look like if our life just changes like that? And for a lot of us, we've lived in those moments where we've got the new job or we had the, hey, uh, you're pregnant moment. And you're like, what? I'm pregnant. 
Some of us have had those moments where we've been surprised by the death of a loved one or told that we're sick in a way that we didn't see coming and everything that we thought we had going for us has turned in a moment. It happens in all of our lives. But the important thing for us to remember is that God is always in control and He is good. And so sometimes the story is not going to look like we thought it was, but it's important to remember this. When it's done God's way, it's always better than we thought it could be. So Zechariah is a priest. He is a man who's old, and and that's not me just saying that. That's what the Bible says, and he's old, and his wife is old. And part of the burden that they have is they carry around the burden of not being able to have children. They're barren. And so what happens is, is Zechariah is a priest. There's about 18,000 priests in his day. And he's one of about 18,000 that serve uh, a temple and serve uh, um, the Lord. And there's 24 different divisions of priests within the time frame that we're talking about here. And, and uh, Zechariah comes from the, the priestly order of Abijah. And so what his orders were is he would go for two weeks out of a year and he would go and he would serve at the temple. He would stay there. He would do the, the, the priestly order things. He would, you know, do the churchy stuff. And once in his lifetime as a priest, he is going to be given the most incredible privilege. And that is the privilege to actually go on behalf of the people and burn incense to the Lord. It is a moment where all of the people will remain outside and they will pray and they will uh, worship God where uh, Zechariah or the priest who was chosen will go and he will stand and before the Lord and he will praise God but then he will offer a burning of incense which is basically him going before God on behalf of the nation saying will you forgive our sins. And so it's important for us to be reminded at the beginning of the book of Luke, at the beginning of this gospel message, at the very first thing, we have a setting of a moment of praise and we have a setting where Zechariah, on behalf of the nation of Israel, is asking for the forgiveness of their sins. Such a point is beautiful and so easily missed when we hurry through the scriptures. Because Zechariah is not prepared for how incredibly God is about to answer his prayers. Now remember, for 400 years, God has not spoken. God has been silent to fulfill prophecy. And, and, and the people of Israel are wondering what's going on. It's said that during this time that the, the nation of Israel was really experiencing some darkness and people are wandering away. They're not following and being obedient to God. And really they're in a time of peril. And so when we look at Zechariah, we see a man who is being faithful during a time of turmoil. The culture is shifting against God, but Zechariah is remaining true. So it's important for us to know that Zechariah is a faithful man of God. The word tells us that he and his his wife Elizabeth, who comes from the bloodline of Aaron, that they were both um, dedicated to the Lord. In fact, let's read this in Scripture. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 1, uh, verse 5 with me right now. And it says this, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving the priests before God, 
He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. 400 years of silence. That's longer than than I've been alive, I think. 400 years. Your grandchildren's grandchildren's grandchildren. 400 years. That's a long time. And here you are, this priest. There's 18,000 of you. And you have been picked on this day to go before the Lord and to present the burnt offering, to present the incense to Him, to ask for the forgiveness of sins. This is an incredible day in your life. And when you come to this moment, there you are standing before the altar. And as you're standing before the altar, praising God and requesting prayer, or offering your requests in prayer, I want you to imagine what it must have been like for Zechariah when an angel of the Lord showed up. And stood before him. What are we burning in here? Am I seeing things? He stood there in bewilderment. Because for his lifetime, his parents' lifetime, their parents' lifetime, God has not spoken. And now in this moment, before me is Gabriel, the angel of the Lord. And he has a message for me? Who am I? Well, you were praying for the forgiveness of sins, Zechariah. So guess what? Zechariah stands there and the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled. Do you think he would have been scared in that moment? I believe God speaks all the time today to me. and He speaks to my family and to a lot of you. And I think if an angel of the Lord appeared in front of me, I would probably freak out. He was startled and was gripped with fear, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Now, I love that moment when the angel says, Your prayer has been heard, because the very next statement talks about his, his, his burden. The very next statement talks about that prayer that, that he was carrying around with him of, I wish I had a son or a daughter or a child. But I also think the angel's making reference to the fact that he was praying for the forgiveness of sins. The angel says, Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or the fermented fermented drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. And many of the people of Israel will bring back to the Lord their God, will come back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a prepare, and prepare a way for the Lord. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. Zechariah asked the angel in this moment, as I'm sure a lot of us would have trepidations or like what is happening moments. He says, how can this be for I am sure of this. Uh, I'm old. I'm an old man. And uh, my wife was well along in years also. Now that's the politically correct way of saying my wife is old. (laughs) Let me tell you, that doesn't happen. And there's Zechariah standing before Gabriel saying, don't you understand I'm old? And in a moment of panic, instead of trusting God, 
Zechariah tries to take control of the moment and asks for an explanation that he's not owed. The angel simply says to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and tell you the good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe in my words, which will come true at their proper time. How many of you have ever shot your mouth off and just wished you could bring it back? (laughs) Poor Zechariah didn't even get to say, oh man. (laughs) I have been sent by God to deliver this good news to you today. And because you have doubted me, you're going to get to watch from the front row, but you don't get to talk about it. And so it says in the word that God grabbed his tongue and his tongue was still and he was unable to speak. And so for the entirety of the pregnancy, there's Zechariah having this incredible encounter with God, but he's not able to speak of it. How many of you ever had an encounter with God? And and as you had that encounter with him, as you knew he was saying something to you, your fear gripped you. It caused you to be silent. So many times when we have these types of moments of going through pain and sorrow or, or exuberation and we can't talk about it, that, that one of the things that we forget to do is we forget to praise God when the time comes. See, Zechariah goes home from the temple and everybody knows something just went down in the temple because here was, here was Zechariah going in. He was able to speak and now he comes out unable to speak, you know, flailing his hands, writing on slates, trying to explain to people what just took place. But there's no explanation for it, especially when his wife becomes pregnant. She's old and now she's pregnant. Something's taken place. Something miraculous has taken place. I'm only 40 years old and I can't imagine having another kid. Let alone being as old as it said that they were. And so Elizabeth and Zechariah prepare for what God's doing in their life. Last week we heard from Pastor Jared as we looked at the Magnificent, the Song of Mary. We heard about how Mary was given a message too that she kind of had a big deal about her too. The whole baby Jesus thing, right? Your son will be the savior of all. And I love this moment because as Mary and Elizabeth were given these messages that you will carry these two amazing, victorious children that will do amazing things, they were given this message. And I love the moment where Elizabeth and Mary kind of bump into each other for a greeting and inside their womb is the savior of mankind and John the Baptist. I love what the Word of God says, and this is my side sermon, and I promised the Lord I would preach this every time I preach this sermon. There's a moment where John the Baptist hears the voice of Mary, and it says in the Scriptures that from within the womb he heard the voice of Mary, and he leapt in praise for the Lord. Listen to me. Abortion is never okay. In this moment, the Word of God makes a very clear statement that from within the womb, John the Baptist worshipped. You have no argument. You have to take it up with him. His word says it. And I love that moment because John praises God before he steps a foot on this planet. Isn't that cool? So the things come as the angel said they were going to be. 
And Zechariah can't open his mouth. And there's a lot of ladies in this room going right now, Lord Jesus, please let my husband be afflicted with this. But as the time comes, and John is going to come first, because he's going to be the forerunner of Christ. He's going to go before the Lord. So it's important that he gets here first. And so the time for John to be born happens, and John is born, and everything goes great, and and things are fantastic. And all the neighbors come over, and all the different family, and they're saying, well, surely you're going to name the baby Zechariah. And Elizabeth says, no, we're not going to name him Zechariah. We're going to name him John. Now listen, names are a big deal. They're a big deal now. But they were an even bigger deal then. And for a family that was barren, for for a family that was living in disgrace as it was considered sinful, you've done something if you can't have children. For for Elizabeth and for for Zechariah to then give birth and then to give the birth name of of somebody else to this child, that's, that's inconceivable. That's ludicrous. Why would you do that? Name him Aaron. Name him Zechariah. Don't name him John. Who's John? And Elizabeth says no. His name is John, because that was what was commanded of her. He is the one who will prepare the way of the Lord. And so the neighbors, thinking that she was having some type of something, they go to Zechariah, who's probably somewhere else, working on, you know, crossword puzzles, because he can't talk. (laughs) And he's sitting there, and they come to him, and they say, Zechariah, surely you don't want this child to be named something other than Zechariah, correct? And he says, no, his name is John. This is not a suggestion. This is not me thinking anything. The seventh day has come. He has been circumcised and his name is nothing other. He is John. And the moment that he wrote that on the slate and said his name is John, the Lord released his tongue and he was able to speak. I don't know what you're going through in your life, whether it's good or whether it's bad. But when the Lord sees you through and reveals his plan in your life to its fullness, the first thing out of your mouth should not be a complaint. It should not be a, a, another word other than praises to God. I don't know what you have going on, but I know what I read in the book of Luke, and I know what Zechariah's reaction was. He could have sat there and complained about being silent. Lord, you gave me this message, then you silenced my tongue. I'm angry. That wasn't his response. Because when he gave him the name John, his tongue was released, and the first thing out of his mouth was praise. Mary's song that we learned about last week called The Magnificent was a song of praise for how the Lord has blessed her. And this week, Zechariah 2 gives a song to the Lord. We call this one the Benedictus. His song, like Mary's, was a song of praise, but Zechariah's song is really a song that is talking about the careers of the two babies that that are going to meet here soon. And he begins with a song of praise saying this. And I want you to, to, to go through this with me because this is, this is an important piece of scripture in our heritage as Christians. So many writers and, and, and people throughout history have gone to this Benedictus and they have used it as references and, and they've used it as points to come back to as to the awesomeness of God. And so it says this in uh, Luke 1, chapter 50, or 67. It says, His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. 
salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. Now the covenant with Abraham was really a covenant, to make a real long story short, that promised blessing and redemption to the people of Israel. And in this moment, he's recognizing that God is fulfilling that. He's here to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And then singing to his own child, he says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on, the, on those living in darkness. Now, Remember I told you there's this imagery that we see of of darkness consuming the land. But in this epic moment, Zechariah is proclaiming that my son is going to get to go before Jesus and point people to Christ. To say salvation has come, darkness is defeated because light has entered this earth. I love the way that Tolkien took Zechariah's song and used it as a reference for one of the most epic battles in his, in his series, The Lord of the Rings, the Battle of Helm's Deep. He talks of the victorious horn. And if you remember in that movie, there's this beautiful moment where it seems like evil is conquering and there is no hope left. And from Athana Hill, you hear a horn blowing. And the rising sun behind a mountainside is coming up. And in front of that sun is a rider who comes down before the sun and the victory is won. Tolkien recognized that this is a beautiful epic, an epic battle, a spiritual battle, not an earthly battle, not not something you and I see on a regular basis. But listen to me, darkness has infiltrated the earth and it has a personal plan for your destruction as a priority. Satan wants to see you destroyed. And in this, in this story, in this song that Zechariah is singing, he's saying, God, you have brought your horn of victory and you have, you have trumpeted that horn and now you come like the rising sun and you will defeat darkness. Do you believe that Christ was sent to defeat darkness? Because you see, John the Baptist's whole existence was to be about pointing people to Jesus. And just like John the Baptist, you and I have been included as a part of this story. We've been invited to be a part of this story. And while our father's name may not have been Zechariah, you too are being called not as forerunners for Christ, but as postrunners for Christ. We have an advantage that John doesn't have. John had the prophecy of the word of God and the fact that they will win. But we have the knowledge. We've seen it. We have the book in our hands. We know how this story ends. And we're being asked by God to share the good news of Jesus Christ, just like John. Because listen to me, for those people who are living in darkness, they do not have to stay there because light has entered the world and light will conquer and Christ is that light. I don't care how terrible of a person you think you are, God can forgive your sins, not because of how fantastic you are, but because of how amazing Jesus Christ is. And the fact that he died on the cross for your sins. You can either clap or don't, but get going, all right? 
And that is something we should clap about because today when we leave this place, we don't leave defeated, we leave victorious. I love that imagery that Tolkien has because when you think all hope is lost, light defeats darkness. And in all of our lives, when we surrender to him, he will conquer death in us. You know, I love Christmas time. And as a pastor, one of the questions I get a lot is, why do we celebrate Christmas in December? Well, it's easy to explain. You see, there was a, a, an emperor by the name of Constantine who had an experience with the oral tradition and this passage, that, this song, this Benedictus, talking about light defeating darkness. And Constantine, a Roman emperor, was not a believer. He, he began to have some experiences with God and then in a, in a, in a very fantastic way had a very uh, blunt experience with God that I would encourage you to read about sometime and made the decision that for the first time in the history of the Roman Empire, it's not going to be illegal to be a believer in Christ. In fact, he came back from a very famous bridge battle where his life was spared, claiming to have seen God, and he marched past the pagan gods that they would make offerings to, and he went and he worshipped Jesus Christ instead. A complete shift in the history of the world. To this very day, because of what Constantine experienced, the center and the birthplace of the Christian church really has been in Rome. Right? And so you have Constantine, who's having this Christ-like experience. And then during the winter months, during the winter solstice, which is actually going to be Friday, the 21st, Constantine and the people of Rome would celebrate a very pagan holiday called Saturnalia. And what Saturnalia was, was it was a celebration of the fact that, that as the day grows darker and darker and darker, they were going to have a celebration because on the 21st, that is the darkest day of the year. And the next day is when we begin to receive more light, more light, and more light. And it's in that moment that the light begins to defeat the darkness. Having this experience with Jesus Christ and hearing of this Zechariah and the rising sun, Constantine makes the proclamation that no longer will we celebrate Saturnalia as worshiping the sun or worshiping the moon, But we will recognize that the true light of Jesus Christ came into this land and is defeating the darkness and we will celebrate it and we will call it Christmas. That is why we celebrate Christmas at this time of year. Because it's a recognition of the fact that Jesus Christ came and is defeating darkness. Isn't that cool? I've preached that before. Some of you knew it. But God came to deliver us from the darkness. John the Baptist had the privilege of going before Jesus and pointing people to him. And now you and I have the privilege of coming behind Christ's earthly, earthly visit. Because Jesus is still alive, church. Listen to me. He's not dead. But he's invited you and me to go and to continue to spread the good news that darkness does not win. And so Zechariah continues on. He praises God. And it says that the child grew and became strong in spirit. Then he went and lived in the wilderness until he appeared in public uh, one day. John the Baptist became who God said he was going to be. Who is God telling you you're going to be? Are you listening? 
Is it going to take God grabbing your tongue and saying, all right, be quiet, now watch? I feel like I'm in one of those moments in my life where the Lord's saying, just be still, I got this. Listen to me, church. God wants to use you. God wants to have a relationship with you. And so there's two types of people I'm talking to right now. There's those of you in this room right now who understand what I'm talking about when I say a relationship with Jesus. And if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you need to become like Zechariah. You need to open your mouth and you need to talk about it. You need to share that gospel message. Because if you say what you believe is true, if you believe what you say is true, then you believe that you have the most successful thing to the answer of all problems in life right here. Right? Why aren't we talking about it more? Why aren't we sharing this with people? Because we're afraid? Well, what do we have to be afraid of? All things are possible through Christ. Amen? Trust me, if God can save you, He can save anybody. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord, right? I'm in the same boat. But there's the other type of person out there today who you're hearing these words and it doesn't make a lot of sense to you. All you know is in your life you have a void and you feel like the darkness is consuming you. I want to say this to you. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, He had you in mind. He loves you. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. In fact, he came to this earth born as a baby, living the life of a human because he wanted to be able to relate to us and and, and, and communicate with us and, and let us know that I've been there. I've been where you have been. I know what it's like. So I want you to know that you can't outsin the grace of God. You can't do anything to earn his merit. If God's calling your heart, Surrender to Him. You want to know why there's a void in your heart? Why you feel empty inside? It's because you haven't surrendered your life to Christ. And if you're that person out there this morning and that's going on in your heart, I want you to come talk to me following the service. Because it's as simple as simply asking God to forgive you for your sins and then you begin a life of pursuing what it's like to be like Jesus. Anybody you see up here on the stage, Pastor Doug, any of the pastors here, we'd love to talk with you about that in greater detail. Because as a church and as a body of believers, we do believe that light defeats darkness, that Christ came to this earth as a gift, and ultimately, he wins. And so, Father, we love you. We thank you for the lesson of Zechariah, that, God, we should be careful to take things into our own hands that we should be careful to not react in fear. But help us, God, to submit to what it is that you're calling us to. Help us to trust and to believe in you. And for those of us that have a relationship with you, God, give us the words and the encouragement and the energy to go out and to spread that gospel message of Jesus Christ. Because, God, it is the good news. It is the ultimate news. God, we have the keys to the chains that hold so many people in bondage. And so, Lord, convict our hearts to begin to tell people about your incredible awesomeness. Thank you that, like John, you've included us in your story. But, God, for those that don't know you as their personal Savior, God, the consequence of sin is death. And until you came and died on that cross, we were all deserving of death. We still are. God, you took and canceled that debt. You take and you pay the bill. 
And so, Lord, for those of us out there that need to surrender ourselves to you, give us the strength to simply get up and to go talk to somebody about it. Because, God, you are good. We thank you and we love you. And all of his people said,